podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday, the 30th of September, the final day of September, a month in which we've seen very little Premier League action. Brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Go to LibertyShield.com right now and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get 25% off at checkout, either the hardware or software packages. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops. You can find them on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off. Do remember, give a listen to a tad predictable on this feed hosted by Tadiwa, as well as the EPL Roundtable, which you can find on its own feed. Just search EPL Roundtable on your podcast provider and listen to Kevin DeVries and his collection of guests discuss the weekend that was. Right, folks, we have news, we have gossip, then we have Guy, and we'll go through this weekend's Premier League games. First things first, Eric Ten Hag has been voted manager of the month for September and Marcus Rashford has been voted player of the month for September. Um, Ten Hag should probably package this award up nicely and send it on down the road to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Not really sure why it is that he won Manager of the Month over other options that were there, but it is what it is. Congrats to him. Uh, Rashford picks up his first Player of the Month award since January of 2019. Others who had been nominated, Philip Billing, Kevin De Bruyne, Pierre-Emile Heusberg, Alex Awobi, and Jacob Ramsey. Credit where it's due, Alex Iwobi has been really good this season in that kind of deeper holding role. Um, But credit to Rashford, he has bounced back and played well and obviously did very well against Arsenal. Uh, Moving on then, Chris Sutton, I know, has taken over the Premier League predictions on the BBC website from Mark Lawrenson. Um, When we go through our predictions with Guy. We'll take a look at those. Shada Arvaladze has been sacked as manager of Hull City just hours before their game against Luton. Seems like an odd decision. Uh, Arvaladze took over from Grant McCann when he was sacked. And um, yeah, Hull on the lookout for another manager. 
Hull are a strange club. They've been, I don't want to say badly owned, but they've been badly owned for a number of years. I mean, you had all the nonsense with the previous owner and the desire to change the name to Hull Tigers and whatever else. Um, now, now owned by this Turkish media company, uh, Akon Media, owned by Akon Ilakali, who's a Turkish broadcaster, entrepreneur, international TV producer, and businessman. Um, things just seem a little bit hectic. Now, you can't necessarily blame him for making this decision because they are 20th in the league. They're not in the relegation zone, but they are 20th in the league. And they have lost their last four games in the league. So I suppose in a way it is understandable. They had started quite well. They won three of six, drew two of the others, only one defeat in the first six. But then this downturn seems to have just done for the manager. And obviously last season was disappointing for them as well. Um, McCann was manager until January. Arvaladza took over. And to his credit, to his credit, did a decent job and kept them in the division, but never once during the course of the season. Um, other than, you know, they won their first game, they went top. They lost their second game, they were they dropped to 12th. They lost their third game, dropped to 18th. And never from week three to week 46 did they get above 18th in the league. Um, so you, you can kind of sense the frustration from the manager, or from the owner, rather. Uh, what did they do in the summer? They let George Honeyman go, let Tom Huddleston go, sold Keen Lewis Potter for a significant fee to Brentford, loaned in Nathan Baxter, he's a, he's a solid young goalkeeper, uh, Salah Adin Ulad Mahans, the, um, the young Arsenal midfielder, he arrived, Harvey Vale, and uh, Xavier Simmons both arrived from Chelsea to, especially Vale. Vale is so gifted. So gifted. Um, they brought in Figueredo from Forest. Osan Tufan from Fenerbahce. He'd been dreadful last season at Watford. Uh, John Michel Seri from Fulham. I like that one. Um, won't even attempt to butcher the name of the Iranian. Uh, attacker they brought in from Fenerbahce, but he's a solid player. Oscar Stupinen they brought in. Uh, they brought in a left winger called Cynic. Benjamin Tete, he's been around a while. Um, Ryan Woods, Cyrus Christie, and Adama Traore. Not, not that Adama Traore, a different Adama Traore. Number of signings from Turkey, one, two, three, four, five. So obviously using their connections there. Quite a um what's the right word to use for this? Quite an extravagant haul for Hull, uh bringing in so many foreign players, not something you'd necessarily associate with the city of Hull and the way Hull do their business normally. But it's not a bad squad. Not a bad squad at all. You'd hope that 
they'll make a good appointment now, bring in someone who can get the best out of these players. My guess is they'll aim for somebody that the ownership are, is more familiar with. Um, and Hull, to be fair, like they've had some fairly exotic managers in recent years. Um, obviously, Grant McCann, not the most exotic, but he did a good job there. I thought it was a bit harsh. He was gone. Nigel Atkins before him. Um, Leonard Slutsky before him. He'd been at Ruben Kazan, or he is at Ruben Kazan now. He'd been manager of Russia. He was a decent manager. Uh, didn't do well there, obviously. They had Marco Silva for a time. Uh, before that, it was a lot of Steve Bruce. And I do mean a lot of Steve Bruce. How long was Steve Bruce at Hull? Nick Barnby was caretaker manager for a while. Nigel Pearson was manager for a while. It, to be fair, it was it was Gammon and Gravy for a long time. Phil Brownie and Dowie. Phil Brown was there for a good while. It was Gammon and Gravy for a long time until Slutsky came in, and then it was uh, it was a lot of Steve Bruce. Never ideal to have Steve Bruce your manager. Anyway, Hull of Sack, the manager, that's all you need to know. Uh, US group KAM Sports are still interested in buying Premier League club Everton, according to sources close to the Americans. Farhad Mashiri says the club is not for sale. It Apparently he's interested in selling a minority stake uh, because obviously with Usmanov having to walk away, Mashiri doesn't really have the money to do what he wants to do. And the stadium is in a little bit of a little bit of doubt. I don't know who's behind. Oh, Kaminsky, the Kaminsky family, apparently. Who do the Kaminsky family own? Do they own anyone? Let's see. Based in Minneapolis, uh, real estate. It looks like this website was created just to put out a statement regarding Everton. I don't know that they own any other sporting enterprise. But, you know, wait and see. Uh, Slavin Bilic says he knows he has to buy time as boss after replacing Rob Edwards. Newly appointed Slavin Bilic says he can, he can be a success at Watford and insists the championship club definitely don't want to sack him. Well, they've just appointed you, so you'd hope they don't want to sack you. That would be the normal way of things. But this is Watford, so who knows? Um, there is a very good piece uh, written by Danielle Veri, or Veri on the BBC website about Silvio Berlusconi. Can Silvio Berlusconi work miracles and take Monza to more history? So, as everybody knows, Berlusconi, former Prime Minister of Italy, but probably in the footballing world, obviously most famous as the former owner of AC Milan. And now him and Adriano Galani, Galliani are together at Monza as president and CEO. They got Monza into Syria for the first time and they want to build something special. 
you know, they look at what they did with Milan. Now, Milan were a much bigger club to begin with, but they want to do something special with Monza. Um, if the season hasn't started particularly well, I think that's fair to say. Uh, but they want to they want to do really well here. And we'll see how this goes. They've just appointed a new manager and they're they're confident that this is going to go well. I'd love to see them stay up. I Galliani for me, like that guy. The teams he built at Milan were just ridiculous. He's the guy who was the architect of Saki's team, Capello's team, Ancelotti's team. Like, he built those teams. Five European Cups under his watch. He is an absolute genius, or he was an absolute genius when it comes to team building. Now, Monza are 18th, they're one point from safety at the moment, one point behind Verona. They've taken four points from their last two games. And uh, we're going to throw our support here at the Two-Footed Podcast behind Monza, staying up. Uh, I don't really mind who goes down. It's tough to see Sampdoria in such peril already, but Considering Genoa went down last year, um, yeah, maybe it's the only way they can get a derby. Um, Genoa, Cagliari, like you look at Serie B, there's big clubs there. There's big clubs there. Like Venezia are there, Palermo are there, Parma are there, Cagliari, Genoa, Bari. Bari, not so much a big club in recent years, but if you think back to the uh, the early 90s when David Platt had really established himself for Aston Villa and for England it was Barry who played who paid huge money to buy him uh, he was only there for one year went to Juventus for a year then Sampdoria for a couple of years but you know Barry were a club on the up back then and they've got you know a decent stadium and a decent bit of history behind them so um now I say a decent stadium, it was it was a decent stadium. When it was built, it was spectacular. Now it's a bit crumbly and a bit less than impressive. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we'll do the gossip and we will go to break. Portugal and Wolves midfielder Ruben Neves is seen by Barcelona as a long-term target to replace Sergio Busquets. Uh, considering they need a replacement, well, now ideally, but January of the summer. I'm not sure that would be long-term. Uh, Chelsea want to sign Denzel Dumfries. Inter would sell for around $44 million. I, I bet they would sell for around $44 million. <clears throat> It's double what he's worth. Uh, Real Madrid will attempt to sign Joe Canseo next summer and are also planning a move for Erling Haaland in 2024. That's when Haaland's buyout kicks in. And look, he's obviously going to go there at some point. It might not be 2024. But at some point, Erling Haaland is going to play for Real Madrid. And in all likelihood, Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe will play for Real Madrid together and be terrifying. Haaland's father, Alfie, has suggested that the player might only spend two or three seasons with City before moving to Spain. 
I mean, you you telegraphed that when you signed the deal and you insisted on the buyout, you know. But for Alfie, obviously, it's all about getting his own money. He got twenty million from City buying him. He'll get the same again when Real buy him. Uh, must be great. He's he's made more money from his son than he did in his entire career himself, and he had a long career. I mean, Alfie had a long career, and he has made more money in last summer than he would have in his, his, his entire career. From 89 to 03, 14 years. Then he retired, and he came back eight years later, and he played a couple of games. But he made more money from his son moving to City last summer than he did in his 14-year playing career with Forrest and Leeds and City and Burn FK in uh, in Norway. Newcastle have James Madison and Yuri Thielemans in their sights for 2023. Thielemans will be on a free. Madison will have 12 months left. I, I could see it. I could see it. Aston Villa have no intention of letting Emmy Martinez leave in January with Manchester United among the clubs interested in him. A Bundesliga, sorry, a Premier League All-Star side could play combined 11s from rival leagues such as La Liga and the Bundesliga. That would be fun. That would be fun. A Premier League All-Star squad of 18 get the best 18 from Germany, from Italy and from Spain, do a little mini tournament. You could get maybe Portugal and France involved as well. Um, maybe pick the Eredivisie in Scotland and do, you know, a round of eight semi-finals final. Manchester United, Southampton and Everton remain keen on Cody Gakpo. Uh, I think he might be moving himself out of the range of, of Southampton. Tottenham's Italian manager Antonio Conte has dismissed reports linking him with a return to Juventus as disrespectful and insisted he is happy at Spurs. <clears throat> Brighton are planning to hold talks with both Leandro Trossard and Alexis McAllister over new contracts. Newcastle have completed the signing of Brian Cole from Central Coast Mariners. Um, Aston Villa's French midfielder Morgan Sanson would have moved to Espanyol, but his paperwork came through 15 minutes after the transfer window closed. Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea are all interested in, in Dario Osario. This is the kid that Wolves are rumoured to have gotten a deal done for. Brighton, Brentford, Leicester also linked with the player. Um, he definitely screams Brighton. Juventus faced competition from Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, AC Milan and Barcelona for the signature of Marco Asensio. His agent is doing his best to make it look like all the top teams want him. Liverpool are weighing up a January move for Egypt and Pyramids winger Ibrahim Adele with Arsenal, Brentford, Brighton and Nottingham Forest also on his trail. Um, okay. Um, news out of... Germany is that Christopher Nkunku has had a medical with Chelsea. 
and that a deal could be in the offing for the player to join Chelsea next summer. Uh, he does have a buyout in his contract. It's believed to be around £60 million. Um, He would be a pretty good fit in a Graham Potter team, it must be said. He had a sensational year last year. He started this season pretty well, though Leipzig have been dreadful. He's 24, be 25 in November. It's definitely something I could see. If you put him and Sterling with Kai Havertz, I could see that as a front three. Now, obviously, a lot of people are suggesting Chelsea will go and buy a striker, and maybe they will. Um, but I'm not sure if you have Sterling and Nkunku, I'm not sure buying a nine is the best move. Though with how Graham Potter wants to play, maybe it does make sense. Very good player. Very, very good player. Hugely versatile. Both wings as a 10, as a false 9. You could probably work him into being an 8 as well. Um, if if the, the, the desire overtook you. Um, yeah, look, if Chelsea can get it done, they should get it done. They should. They haven't had great luck buying from the Bundesliga, though, so that might be something to caution yourselves about. But uh, they've got an existing relationship with Leipzig. And Nkunku is a player with with a lot of talent. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see it happening. I definitely could see it happening. Right, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we will have Guy Drinkle with us and we will go through this weekend's Premier League games. So I will see you all in a sec. Right, welcome back. We are joined, as always, on a Friday by Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am good, Dave. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to uh, a bit of Premier League action this weekend. The first time in a month. We'll have a full slate of Premier League games. That's nice. It is. It is. And we actually have some fun games this weekend as well, which we'll get into. But we, we do start with the North London derby at the Emirates at half 12. Um, this is this seems to be the derby that kind of everyone looked, maybe not the actual fans of the two teams themselves, but I think from a neutral perspective, this is probably one most people look forward to now more than the other derbies, I'd say. Yeah, I mean... When you see a Merseyside derby, there's such a gap between the two teams that the only way Everton can really compete is to park the bus and try and hit Liverpool on the counter. So those games tend to be a little bit stodgy because Liverpool can get a bit bogged down against deeper blocks and stuff. Uh, the same in Manchester. I mean, there's a, a massive gap between City and United that has been for years. But United have had some success by sitting with a nice deep block and then hitting on the counter-attack. With Arsenal and Spurs, there's a culture of good football at those clubs. There always has been. Now, Antonio Conte flies in the face of that a little bit, and he will have absolutely no qualms about setting his team out to play a deep block and counter-attack Arsenal. He will have watched United 
carve Arsenal apart on the counter. Mm. And he will know that his team are significantly better than Manchester United and have better attacking players. Like, it's one thing to get carved apart by Anthony, Rashford and Sancho. Rashford's the only one there with real pace. But with with, with Tottenham, he could go Kulisevsky and Son behind Kane. Now you have two really quick players in Kulisevsky and Son, or Richarlison and Son, or Kulisevsky and Richarlison. Well, I think Kulisevsky might be injured. I think he's got a knock. I don't know if he's out. Is he out? It says 25% on Premier injuries. It does. He's got a muscle issue. Um, even if he's out, they've still got Richarlison, who's yeah. very, very quick. Now, the one thing they do lose there, obviously, is Kulisevsky's ball carrying is exceptionally mm. good. And creativity, yeah, but you get Perisic as left wing back. He can he can be a ball carrier. He's he can offer creativity. Um, ben Davies is a doubt for Tottenham as well. That's a bit of a concern because mm. he's the only left footed centre back they have, other than Langley, who hasn't played a whole bunch. Now Langley is probably a better defender than Davies, but in a three, Davies might be better suited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugo Lloris is a bit of a doubt as well but they, they expect him to play Kulisevsky seems to be the major doubt but we'll wait and see oh god uh, I've just seen Arsenal injuries Jesus and Lucas Moura <laughs> is a doubt now yeah for the Gunners Emil Smith-Rowe he's out he just had surgery Zinchenko's a doubt Cedric Sores is a doubt Kieran Tierney's a doubt Thomas Partey is a doubt Mohamed Elneny is out for a couple of months and Reese Nelson's out. So, I mean, if Sin- mm-hmm. if Sinchenko and Party both miss that game, you're talking Lekonga. Now, if Sinchenko's out, Tierney at left back is better than Zinchenko. But it does affect the build-up play a little bit. If Partey is out, Lekonga has to play or the, the alternative is to move Ben White into midfield now, Tommy Asu again is a better left, a better right back than Ben White. So you'd strengthen your defense if you had Tommy Asu and, and Tierney, but you do lose something in your build up play. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, Arsenal have obviously started the season well. Their top six wins from their seven games, their defeat was against United, but they haven't played anybody. I mean, you, you look at their fixtures, it's the easiest possible run. A Palace team that had no real preseason, a Leicester team that are a shambles, Bournemouth are poor, Fulham have started well, but they're not particularly good, and it was a struggle to beat them. Uh, a bad Villa team, and they got schooled by United. And their fans can say whatever they want. They got schooled by Manchester United. They can point to sixty-one percent possession. 300, 155 more passes, all they want. United played the game that way. United went out with a very clear game plan and executed it really, really well. And the only stat that matters is Manchester United 3, Arsenal 1. That's the only statistic that matters from that game. Whereas Tottenham, they're unbeaten. They have five wins, two draws. They've played poorly in a couple of games, but managed to take points. They've also had a more difficult start than Arsenal. 
They played Southampton on the opening day, went behind, came back and walloped them. They played Chelsea, who will be in the mix for top four. Got outplayed, but got a draw. They played a good Wolves team whose points tally doesn't reflect how they're how they're playing. And they beat them 1-0 despite getting outplayed. They beat Forest 2-0. They drew 1-1 at West Ham, despite not playing particularly well. And then they beat Fulham 2-1, and it was easier for them than it was for Arsenal. What I will say is, with this... Oh, and then they beat they hammered Leicester. They beat Leicester 6-2. A much more impressive win than what we saw from Arsenal against Leicester, who got themselves back into that game a couple of times and then just fell apart. <sighs> to me, Tottenham are showing signs of a potential title winner. Now, I don't think they'll win the title this season. I don't think they've got enough to keep pace with City. But when you can play badly or get outplayed and still get a result against good teams, that's a really good sign. Arsenal just looked very naive to me. Um, And I don't trust the defence. I don't trust the goalkeeper. Granit Xhaka's had a good run of form, but are we trusting Granit Xhaka? So there's a lot more question marks over Arsenal than there is over Tottenham. Tottenham have a significantly better manager. They've got the two best players on the pitch between the two clubs in Kane and Son. And I think they're going to go to the Emirates and win. I'm going to go Tottenham 2, Arsenal 1. Yeah, certainly with them injuries as well. I mean, If if Partey is out, I could see 3-1. Hmm. If par- I, I'm I'm going to base that on on Partey playing as a two one win for Spurs. I just think Spurs they work so hard in midfield. They understand their roles really well. Now Arsenal's attack is impressive when it clicks into gear, but the way Tottenham defend minimizes the quality of chances that the opposition get, and. I, I just fancied them to have a good day against this Arsenal team. And like I said, they were, they've impressed me this season with the way they can just drag results out. So even if Arsenal outplay them, I still think Tottenham can win. If Tottenham outplay Arsenal, I don't see any way that Arsenal win that game. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Tottenham. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, moving on then, Battle of the Bees. Uh, Bournemouth against Brentford. And, and to be fair, since the sacking of Scott Parker, Bournemouth under Gary O'Neill, they, they've turned it around slightly. I mean, where are they up to in the league? They are up to 12th, undefeated and free. Um, mm. uh, beat Nottingham Forest, which was a huge get. They were 2-0 down, were they? Or yeah. 2-1 down? So a huge turnaround in that. And then two draws against two decent teams, as you say, Newcastle... Most people's picked to probably finish about 8th or 7th this season. And Wolves, as you say, playing... Well, but points total, etc. Um, so good points there. Whereas Bournemouth, uh, Brentford, I should say, it may be just because they haven't played for about a year, but coming off that really poor loss to Arsenal, the beat leads the game before that, but well, that was about a year ago because that was on yeah. the 3rd of September, but it, it's hard to, hard to grasp how these. Games will go because it was so long ago. But that Arsenal loss was there was there was nothing redeeming at all, really. No, they were awful in that game. They really were awful in that game. They just kind of lay down for Arsenal. That's probably Arsenal's best win of the season so far. 
if we're being honest. Um, and it's against a team that won't finish in the top half of the league. Like, this is the thing with the Arsenal run. The only team likely to finish in the top half that they've played so far is United, who beat them soundly. Like, at the start of the season, you probably would have said Leicester, but does anyone think Leicester are going to finish top half? I don't think they do. Um, Brentford were really poor in that game, which was disappointing considering how well they'd played against Leeds and Ivan Tony had been so good against Leeds. But as you said, Bournemouth since sacking Scott Parker really have turned things around very, very well. Who knew that uh, Scott Parker wasn't a very good manager? Now, going into this game, Brentford are without Norgaard. That's a big one because he's so important in that midfield. And Keane Lewis Potter is out as well. Um, and he's a he's an important, or he will be an important player for them, I think, moving forward. Ethan mm. Pinnock, probably still out. Uh, not a huge blow because he, he's a bit championship. Um, but for Bournemouth, Joe Rothwell working his way back. Ben Pearson working his way back, but probably not ready for this weekend. Uh, Ryan Fredericks, probably not ready for this weekend. David Brooks and Lloyd Kelly, both out. Lloyd Kelly in particular is a big blow because he's so important that defence. Uh, with this game being in Bournemouth, I still think Bournemouth will finish bottom. But with this game being in Bournemouth, I, you'd have to give them a bit of an advantage at home in front of their own crowd. It's a tight little ground. It's mm. you know, it's it's a tough enough place to go at times. Um, I'll go the draw. I'll go a one-one mm. draw. I think Gary O'Neill has done well. I don't know what the situation is going to be. With Bournemouth, in terms of appointing a new manager, are they going to wait until this takeover happens and allow the new owner to pick the manager? I, I my That's my guess. But all Gary O'Neill can do is is carry on as he has. If O'Neill so far, keeps doing well, though, I mean, the, you, I think you mentioned it on a couple of shows now, what's the point, if, if O'Neill's doing well, what's the point of appointing Chris Wilder, who's doing dreadful at his job at Borough? That's the thing. I mean, Wilder mm. seems to be the favourite for the job. And if I was, I, honestly, if I was Middlesbrough and he was openly what? flirting, <laughs> I'd sack him. I'd sack him. Harry Gary O'Neill. <laughs> because he's openly flirting with that job mm. while failing to do his job for you. And you're paying him. They're not paying him. You're paying him. So if I was Burra, I know it was exciting to get him because he'd done so well at Sheffield United. But it hasn't worked so far. And, you know, it's not like he's only been in the job six weeks. He's been there a while now. And mm. I, I just, like, I, I I wonder if Burra are sort of thinking, well, we'll get some compensation here and yeah, that's, exactly. that's it. But, you know, he's, he's 44 games in at Burra. He's been there 11 months now. And it, it hasn't worked out. So, you know, I, I'd certainly be having words with him about, the the open flirtation with another club, but if they're happy to pay compensation, you'd, you'd gladly let them go. And if they decide not to appoint him, I'd sack him and say, right now you can't have your cake and eat it too. Probably not that far off just getting sacked, to be honest. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, if things continue to go badly for Borough, who are you know currently twentieth in the Championship, they um, back him as well. They did. That's the thing. They did back him in the summer. They they brought in a bunch of players, um, all of whom were kind of his 
suggestions. They they binned off some in. big players like that Parejo that were uh, high on last year as well. Yeah, and just you know moved on from them. Mm. Um, now right. I do know that they loaned Piero out. They didn't sell him. Um, they loaned him. So I do wonder if that was the type of thing where you know Wilder doesn't want him, but we're not sure Wilder's long for the club. Yeah. So we'll move, we'll move him out. But they brought in four players on loan. Um, Rodrigo Munez, Alex... M- I don't know why we're talking about Burra, but they brought in four players on loan <laughs> and eight players permanently. Like, that's 12 arrivals to the club. That That is absolutely backing him. And um, he has to deliver, and he's not delivering. So, like I said, it might well be time for them to move him on. But for Gary O'Neill, all he can continue to do is, is put up good results. I mean, three games isn't a huge sample size, but let's all be honest about what he walked into. Mm. They had just had their pants pulled down and their arses slapped by Liverpool. They got beaten 9-0. That came off the back of a 3-0 against Arsenal and a 4-0 against City. And the first thing Scott Parker said was, this won't be the last time we get hammered like this this season. So the negativity from him was absolutely astonishing. New manager took over. Got a good draw against Wolves. Got a great win away to Forest. Like you said, they were two down, fought their way back and got the win. And then a really good draw against Newcastle. Up at Newcastle. You know? I wonder all. how highly thought of as a coach he is because he was at Liverpool, wasn't he? He Was was he under 23's assistant or something like that? I think that? he was, yeah. Something like that, wasn't he? Coaching career... Yeah, he was a, he was assistant manager at Liverpool uh, for the other twenty threes, and Woodgate nicked him yeah. to go to Bournemouth yeah, yeah, as yeah. a first team coach. Um, he stuck around after Woodgate left, worked with Parker for the year, and by all accounts was was important in in the promotion. I will say this: if even if they let him go, there are going to be clubs calling him if they if they were to hire Chris Wilder on Monday and Chris Wilder wanted to bring his own staff which is what you'd expect there would be clubs immediately looking to get Gary O'Neill in in some sort of role whether that's as a uh you know as a coach or just as you know in the academy or whatever there will be clubs that look to get him in no doubt about it yeah, absolutely. But we'll move on because we spent much too long on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Crystal Palace, who literally, who, well, let's double check the date. They have not played a Premier League game since the 3rd of September. Good Lord. Um, and they welcome Chelsea with Graham Potter to uh, Selhurst Park. Mm. Um, I mean, there's a couple of questions here. Rustiness for Crystal Palace and Chelsea, who they had the one game under Potter and did they, lo- did they lose to Salzburg? They did, Salzburg? lost to Dinamo, Dinamo Zagreb or something. Was it, was it Salzburg? I think it was Salzburg, wasn't it? I think it was the... Was it? One of them was... Was Zagreb um, Tuchel's last oh, game? Oh, Zagreb then, was Tuchel's last game. Yes, and then they drew with... Or lost they drew, to Salzburg. Yeah. They drew with Salzburg, didn't they? Right, okay. Yeah, I think they did. Because I think it would have been bigger news if Potter lost his first game. But anyway... Yeah, they drew. They drew. They drew one all. Um, yeah, they drew one all with Salzburg at home. Yeah. Yeah, um, but what do you think about this? Because, I mean, that Chelsea first game for Potter, we had some strange things. I mean, we had 
Sterling as a wing back. Um, Aubameyang actually played. Um, question marks about Mendy. I think you mentioned that when we uh, when he first got announced that maybe Kepa's a better fitting keeper for mm. for Potter. Um, but like Kepa played that game. He did. Yeah, and, um, I think he, he usually played... played the Champions League though, so it might be in his contract. Possibly. I, I mean, look, they're paying the guy a fortune. Exactly, they have to give yeah. him some games. Like the thing is, Chelsea haven't played a league game since September third either. Um, they have played those two Champions League games against mm-hmm. Zagreb and against Salzburg, but you can't take much from either of those because, let's be fair, if Dinamo Zagreb and Red Bull Salzburg played in England, they would be either bottom end of the Premier League or you know high end of the Championship teams. Well, Burnley wanted to sign Zagreb. Awesome, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like you look at Red Bull, you look at the squad, there's there's always lots of talent coming through, but it's all young talent, mm. and you don't generally survive in the Premier League with a they'd team just of, be Southampton, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like a lesser version of Southampton. Um, so they're probably championship teams. Tottenham's start of the season was obviously or sorry, Chelsea's start of the season obviously mixed bag, beat Everton, drew with Spurs, lost to Leeds in pretty embarrassing fashion, beat Leicester. Lost to Southampton, beat West Ham. You know, very much a mixed bag. Uh, I thought the Tuchel decision was was a poor one to sack him. I, I think he's a better manager than Graham Potter. I, I don't really understand the logic there. Mm-hmm. I do think in, in it's it, it had a lot to do with Todd Bowley and his fascination with Cristiano. And I, I would I would actually put money on Cristiano being a Chelsea player in January. It's odd because he's probably a worse fit for Potter than he would he's be for Tuchel. He's a horrible fit. He's a yeah. horrible fit. But I, I, a Bowley is Bowley's an idiot. He is mm. an idiot. And like you look at the money they spent in the summer, like they spent forty-seven point five million on Sterling is a good deal, and thirty-three million on Koulibaly is a good deal. Twenty million on Carney Chukwemeka. He one year left in his deal, and he had about fourteen minutes in the Premier League under his belt. 56 million rising to 60 odd on Cucurella, who's a minute upgrade on Ben Chilwell. Mm. Uh, 13 million on uh, Cesare Casede, who's a, a talented young player, but again, 13 million is, is ludicrous. 70 million on Wes Fafana. I mean, what are we doing here? And then over 10 million on Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who Barca signed for free in January because Arsenal couldn't wait to get rid of him. Like, I know he had a decent run there, but, like, we've seen him in the Premier League in recent years be awful. He was awful for 18 months before Arsenal got rid of him. Mm. And then you bring in Dennis Zakaria on loan, not really a signing that made a whole bunch of sense and might make a bit more sense under under Potter than he did under Tuchel. But I just, like, that's that's a really bad way to spend that amount of money. Add on um, compensation for both managers. Yeah, I mean that they're paying a fortune out to Thomas Tuchel. They paid a fortune to Brighton to get Graham Potter, and they've given him a ridiculous contract. Mm. And given that it's Chelsea, I would bet he's gotten that contract guaranteed. So even if they were to sack him in a year, he'll get paid out the whole boat. Ah, uh, I don't know. I, like I still think they're they're a top four team, and I do think Graham Potter is a very very good manager. I just don't think he's as good as Tuchel. He might get them playing better football, though, and that that is sort of important to them. But the mm-hmm. best way to do it is to drop Thiago Silva and 
you know, actually play your best players and not have to carry somebody. Like we've seen the the Tuchel in, in, interviews over the last couple of years talking about Thiago Silva and talking about how he has to adjust the team to to hide Thiago Silva. He did it at PSG, he's done it at Chelsea. And in the end, it scuppered him both times. It was that I, one that was literally about defending wide spaces and then in Potter's first game, he gets done in them wide yeah, spaces. literally, because he can't run. Yeah. He can't run. He's fine if the game comes to him, but any kind of pace and movement is going to hurt him. Now, luckily enough for him, Palace normally play with either Mateta or Eduard. They're both kind of penalty box number nines. That does make things a little bit easier for, for Silva if he plays. Um, but Wilf Zaha has started the season really well. Every Chiesi started the season really well. Olise is fully fit now. So I'm expect, expecting Palace to look quite good this weekend. No Nathan Ferguson, no Jack Butland, no James MacArthur. Uh, James Tompkins is a doubt. Edward Mendy's a doubt. And N'Golo Kante is a doubt. So we'll see hmm. what Chelsea look like. But I think this is a tough game. And I'm going to go for the draw. I'll go 2-2. I think Palace will cause them problems. Yeah. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see them teething problems at Chelsea, as we say. But uh, we'll move on to Fulham against Newcastle. Um, A question for you, Dave. I think I talked to Ollie on one of the AI pods uh, over the international break. Is Marco Silva currently manager of the season or would that be Graham Potter's work at Brighton I'm sure he's in the conversation because nobody had Fulham sixth and they've had a tough start to the season Marco Silva is without question the manager of the season so far because they were not just penciled in penned in by most people for relegation they may still end up there and I, I feel like they might end up... They'll end up in the relegation scrap, is my guess. Whether they stay up or not remains to be seen. But they've had a really, really impressive start. I mean, they've lost twice to Spurs and to Arsenal. They were very unfortunate to lose to Arsenal. Mm -hmm. Um, They got a, a good win against Forest. Three goals in six minutes. They beat Graham Potter's Brighton. They beat Brentford. They drew at Liverpool. They drew at Wolves. It has been a difficult start. They haven't had the the kind of the easier games. They've gotten good results. I think he's done an excellent job so far. It remains to be seen how long they can keep up the tempo they're playing at. And obviously, they're heavily reliant on Mitrovic. But there is good news. Harry Wilson is back in training. Now, he's still a little bit away from making a comeback to playing, but that's a good positive sign. Big blow for them is that Paulinha is suspended already. Uh, five yellow cards in his, in his seven games. So he'll miss this one. Anthony Robinson is a doubt. Uh, Manor Solomon's out for the foreseeable. But Mitrovic is fit, so that's a, that's a positive for them. This is a tough game, though, because Newcastle, while they haven't won games this season, they've only lost one game this season. That was at Anfield. They're very much the draw specialists. Um, Going into this game, though, Toon have a lot of issues. Darlow's out. Isak is out. Shelby's out. 
Uh, Bruno Gomeric is a doubt. They're they're saying he's fine and he'll be in the squad, but he came back with an injury. That's the second injury he's had already this season. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on on him being okay. But Chris Wood is a doubt. Callum Wilson's back, but that's a positive. St. Maximum's a doubt. Uh, Matt Ritchie and Emil Kraft are both out. So Newcastle are going to have to patch together a bit of a team tomorrow. I don't really fancy their defenders against Mitrovic. Now, Botman has the physicality to deal with him. Mm -hmm. But Mitrovic is in incredible form. And he continued that form for Serbia during the international break. I wonder, like, a lot of people have rushed to praise Graham, uh, sorry, uh, Eddie Howe. But one win from seven, if that becomes one win from eight tomorrow, I wonder if the pressure starts to mount a little bit on him. Because they spent a lot of money. Now, he hasn't been able to play his best team consistently yet. But he should still have enough to win games. And he's living off how well they did in the second half of last season a little bit. I wonder if they were to lose this one, would a bit more a bit more pressure start to mount on him? I'm going to pick the Fulham win here because I just think the way Mitrovic is playing, how confident Fulham are, and the fact that they don't have as many injury issues as as the Toon have, I'm going to pick the Fulham win. Now, Paulinho been out is a massive blow, but I think they can overcome it for one game. I'll go 1-0 to Fulham. Newcastle are struggling to score goals. Wilson back helps, but I'll go 1-0 to Fulham. Yeah, that's the thing with Isaac out. And, well, we know Wilson. He's one game in and he's injured for six. That's the thing. And, like, St. Maximum potentially out. So you're going to be relying heavily on Almiron. And, we look, Almiron's a talented player. He's a good player, but he's wildly inconsistent himself. Only scores against Man City, who who Jack Grealish wronged him. So <laughs> that seems to be personal between them. Uh, but yeah, I think that should be a fun game. Um, now for our game, Dave, our personal um, uh, game for Liverpool. Uh, we welcome Brighton to Anfield. There's so many question marks, never mind injuries and stuff like that. But I mean, Liverpool, we don't know which version of Liverpool will turn up, whether they'll improve from the previous... Um, team we've seen in the league but also we don't know what how Brighton will shape up because Roberto De Zerbi will he just try to continue what Graham Potter was doing with the three at the back and stuff like that because that was suiting the team or mm. you I think you've said he plays a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 will he yeah. change to to that to suit his own um, work because I'm not sure how many Brighton players go off for international duty but it'll be I think this will be a an interesting game for, for both teams to to answer some questions because, well, Liverpool need to start actually playing like Liverpool and Brighton have a new manager. Yeah, um, I would expect he'll change to a back four, but he can basically keep 10 of the first 11 that were playing under Potter um, and change it to a 4-2-3-1. All he needs to do is bring in a Stupanan from Wepu, who's out anyway with an illness. And... You've got four two three one Veltman right back, Dunk and Webster, Estupin and left back. Obviously Sanchez in goal, um, Caicedo and McAllister in midfield. Gross probably is your ten. Solly March and Trossard as the wingers, and Welbeck up front. So it's it's you know Mwepu out, Estupin and in. 
little change of shape. But the principles of the team can remain the same. They can play the same style of football in that shape as they have been. Um, they do have, obviously, Mwepu out, Modra out, and Adam Lalana is is a doubt, but you know he might be back, but he's an empty shirt anyway, so we won't worry about him. Liverpool still missing a bunch of players. Oxlade-Chamberlain out, Keita out, Robertson out, Jones out, Kelleher back training but won't play, and Calvin Ramsey's back training but won't play. Ibu Kanate is back, though. You'd imagine he'll be on the bench. Um, Brian is back, played his five minutes for England, got himself a nice cap. Uh, but took away two weeks of training he could have had with Liverpool, which, you know, priorities. Um, it it depends on what Liverpool turn up in midfield is, is the big thing. In attack, I'm expecting Salah, Jota, and then either one of Darwin or Diaz. If it's Darwin, I think Jota plays on the left. If it's Diaz, Jota plays to the middle. I think the rest of the team will largely pick itself in terms of goalkeeper, Ali, defence, Trent, Matip, Virgil, Costas. Fabinho will be the holding midfielder. Thiago's fit, so so you'd assume Thiago plays left side of midfield. And then the question is who plays right side? And Harvey Elliott has earned the right to start, though you'd wonder if at times he's a little bit of a negative impact on the team not because of anything he's doing, but because of what he's not doing. Because he's not really a midfielder. He's not a midfielder. Like, he just isn't a midfielder. Um, I, for me, I, I consider starting Fabio Carvalho in that role just to see how it works, even though he's not a midfielder either. I just think his natural game is a bit more suited to what Liverpool want to do. And he gives you a better option of 4-2-3-1 because he's more he's a natural kind of second striker slash 10 and I'd love to see him off Darwin and see what that looks like with Diaz and Salah wide and then Fabinho and Thiago in midfield. If Brian starts, I have worries because he's been so poor for well all of last season and this season and most of the season before. But I, I assume Elliot will start. That's my assumption. I could be wrong, but I assume he will start. Mm-hmm. And if he does and Thiago starts, I think Liverpool win the game. So I'm going to say... I'm going to say 3-1 Liverpool. I'm going to be confident and say 3-1 Liverpool. You're a braver man than I, Dave Hendrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll move on to Southampton against Everton. Uh, uh, on paper, at least, sounds like the most depressing game possible. Um, I suppose a big question for Southampton is... Who's back from injury and Lavia isn't, so that's a big miss. And yeah, Lavia's out. That's a huge blow. He's yeah. so good. He's been so good this season. And I, when when we were about two or three games into the season, I was looking through fixtures and I was really looking forward to this one to see Lavia against Onana. Yeah, because that's like that's the future of Belgium's midfield right there. But Lavia's out. Livermento, as you said, he's still out with the ACL. Uh, but should be back in January after the World Cup, so that's not too bad because obviously with the World Cup break, um, there's plenty of uh, of time to recover there. Everton have a lot of injuries. Mm. Ben Godfrey out, Townsend out, Patterson now out. That's a big blow. Uh, Yerry Mina out, Mason Holgate out. Dominic Calvert-Lewin probably makes the bench at best. 
Well, they said he could have probably played the game before the international break and said they were just going to give him it off to prepare him for this next game. So unless he had a slight setback in the international break. Well, the plan was said, Lampard said yesterday they were considering a return. Right, okay. The, the thing with, with Calvert-Lewin is because he does tend to pick up quite a few injuries, I think they want to have him 100% clear yeah. of everything before they risk him. Because his game, the, the way he plays his game as well, he relies on being explosive and athleticism and things like that. Uh, Pickford is back, so you know there's that. Um, obviously, Everton come into the game having drawn four and won their last game. Um, they haven't really impressed anyone that's watched them because the football is well, it's it's dreadful. It, it, it's it's an assault on the eyes. Uh, it's deep blocks. It's counter attacks, and it's stodgy counter attacks as well. It's very much reliant on. Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I don't know how much you can rely on them over a season. Um, they they struggled, they struggled to score goals this season thus far. They've only scored five goals in seven games. And if we look at the goals they've scored, it's a lot of long ball football. You know, you had um Cody got an assist from a long ball Pickford got an assist from a long ball there was an own goal against Villa uh who else did they score against they scored against West Ham uh Neil Mope that was a that to be fair that, that was, was a very nice good goal, goal. Yeah. that was a very good goal didn't score against Liverpool um the Anthony Gordon goal against Leeds came from a defensive error so outside of the long balls and a little moment of magic from Mope they're not really creating a whole lot. You know my feelings on on Frank. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I maintain he's the worst manager in the league. I think him and Gerard uh, are obviously people will say Gary O'Neill, and but he's not a permanent manager. But look through the rest of the league. I mean, who's who is worse? Arteta's not. Pep's not. Conte's not. Deserby's definitely not. Uh, Ten Hag's not. Silva's not. Potter's not. Pop obviously isn't, Frank isn't, Eddie Howe's not, Jesse Marsh isn't, um, Hassan is a better manager than both, Vieira's a better manager than both, Lage is a better manager than both, Moyes is better than both, uh, Cooper's better than both, and Rodgers is better than both. They're the worst two managers in the league, Gerrard and Lampard. And I think Gerrard is, is a better manager than Lampard, even though his time at Villa hasn't gone great. Look what he did at Rangers. You know, I know he spent a lot of money, but he still went unbeaten for a whole league season, uh, whereas Lampard failed at Derby and failed at Chelsea. I I think this is a good game for Everton, though, yeah. because it's a very young Southampton team, and without Lavia, the midfield is weakened. Now, they've still got Diallo to come in and play next to Ward-Prowse, but the big question with Southampton is always, can you score enough goals? Individually, they're definitely a more talented team than Everton, but Everton are playing uh, a brand of football that is designed to eke out results. Uh, it would not surprise me if this game ended 1-1, but I will go for a 1-0 to Everton. Oh, it's hang on, this game's at Southampton. Yeah. Oh, that changes things. I thought this game was at Goodison for some reason. Um... Oh, given it's at St. Mary's, I'm, I'm going to back Saints to win. 
I'll go. I'll go one nil Southampton. Oh uh, yeah, one nil Southampton down at St Mary's. I, I thought it was at Goodison. That's why I picked Everton. Um, it's got nil nil all over it. Dave, it does have nil nil. <laughs> just just to go through the the games as picked by Chris Sutton. Uh, so Sutton picked Arsenal to beat Tottenham. He picked Brentford to beat Bournemouth. He picked Chelsea to beat Crystal Palace. So I think I've gone against him on all of those. Uh, he picked Liverpool to beat Brighton. He's gone one-one on this one, and he went one-one on Fulham Newcastle. So um, we've only got one game where we've we've picked the same, and we've actually picked the same scoreline, uh, which makes me confident that uh, that my results will be better because I think Chris Sutton is just a silly man. There'll be a lot of um, questions answered about who's worse at predictions between. Oh, it's definitely me. Over the course <laughs> of the season, it's definitely me. Absolutely. Um, but this league makes no sense most of the time. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, West Ham Wolves, both teams desperately need, uh, other than maybe Leicester, probably two of the teams that need a result most, because, well, Forest, where you expect them to be, especially with the turnover. But Wolves and West Ham, I mean, they made signings, but I don't think there's any big sweeping changes like a Forest where it disrupt the season. So I think these two teams probably more desperate for three points than, than a Forest. But, yeah, it's it's such a strange one because... I actually do agree. I think Wolves have played quite well in the bits mm. I've seen them of. They just don't have any goals. Um, and Nathan Collins drop kicked someone in the chest last week, last yeah. time out, which was which was fantastic. But West Ham got West the ball. Ham, yeah, he got the ball. That's all that mattered. He got, got the ball. I think he got two of them. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, West Ham looked dreadful. They do. They, I I don't understand how West Ham have started the season so badly. Like I know they lost Agard to injury, but like you've still got Ogbonna, you've still got decent defenders there. Um, you've still got Zuma and and Carrer, um, but he he's still out. Now he should be back in a couple of weeks, so that's a big one. If they get him back, I think that will improve them. Ben Johnson um, is a doubt, uh, and he they could do with him at the minute because Sufal has not started the season yeah. particularly well. Now for Wolves, uh, Chiquinho's out, going to miss most of the season. Nathan Collins is suspended. Um, Diego Costa might play, which could be interesting. Jimenez is out. And Sasa Kalasic, he's out, obviously, with the, mm-hmm. the long-term injury. Uh, West Ham have been really poor, but I'm going to back them in this one because they're at home. And I just think... I just don't think it continue, can continue to be this bad. I do think Moyes needs to be braver, though. I think he just needs to stop being so loyal to... Certain players, Fabianski being one, uh, I absolutely f- feel like um, they'd be much better off with Ariola in goal. Uh, I think even though he wasn't great there for PSG, maybe try Tilo Carrera at right back. Yeah, I was going to ask that because he played well for Germany. Though, the he other did night. play well for Germany. Now, look, the ideal role for him is, is right side of a back three. And there's been a mm. lot of talk that Moyes does want to play a back three. Uh, that's what he wants to move to. And if that's the case, then maybe yeah. he's waiting for Agard to come back because Carrera, Zuma and Agard makes a whole lot of sense as a back three. Sufal and Emerson make good sense as wingbacks. And then Rice plus uh, Flynn Downs maybe as a double pivot in midfield and Paqueta behi- behind Bowen and either Antonio or Skamaka. But I do feel like it's time to play Skamaka. 
I also feel like Bowen could do it, you know, maybe a week out of the team because mm. he hasn't been good this season. But I'd like to see West Ham go with an attacking lineup here. We'll go with with Bowen, Paqueta and Cornet behind the striker, behind Skamaka. Play the three of them behind Skamaka. Maybe drop uh, Fornals into the double pivot next to Rice because he will do the work. There's no doubt. And he answers. He's playing a three at the back as well, be fine. Yeah, so I think I think they can go and be positive in this game. I'm gonna go with the West Ham win. I'll go two one. Um Wolves, it's it's just the lack of goals and the lack of Collins that worry me. Like I'm not really sure who's gonna step in at centre back for this one. Maybe mm, it'll Muscara? be Muscara. Yeah. yeah, maybe Muscara next to um to Kilman, but he hasn't played this season, so that's a little bit of a concern as well. So I'll go two one to West Ham. I just remember they got rid of Willy Bolly as well. Uh, so yeah, it must be Muscara. Um, moving on to Sunday, then uh, we've got the Manchester derby at the Etihad uh, to kick off Super Sunday. Um, I know Man United have improved playing counter attacking, yada yada yada. But Haaland against Varane and Lissandro Martin. I mean. Come on, like yeah, not even to just focus on Martinez. He, he should be he should be monstering basically anyone at the min, apart from maybe Van Dyke and Ibrit and Canate maybe. Yeah, uh, in top form, but yeah, that that just feels like it should he should just be feeding all game on them too. I agree. I agree. I don't. I don't see United getting anything from this game. Now, there's obviously some injury concerns for both teams. United, Rashford is out. That's a blow. Um, as well, he's meant to be out. He has a muscle injury. That's a blow because he's been playing well. But Martial is back by all accounts. Um, so that helps. Um, Harry Maguire is is injured. We'll wait and see. Unfortunately, City. <laughs> yeah, big blow, big blow for City there. Uh, Dubravka is out. Brandon Williams is out. Donny van de Beek has a knock. And obviously Mason Greenwood not able to play. Uh, City... Calvin Phillips is still out. John Stones is out. That's a bit of a blow because he'd been yeah. playing pretty well. Uh, right America Port. Well. America Port's back in training. So we'll see. He's their first choice, remember? So it is first choice is Diaz and Laporte. And rightly so. They're the two best defenders they have. But my expectation is we see Diaz and Aki as a pair here, um, which I think is, is enough to deal with United. I just, I just don't see how they stop Haaland. United have had success playing Ollie Ball against against City over the years, and let's be honest, that's exactly what Ten Hag is playing: is Ollie Ball, deep block, panic defending, bodies thrown in front of everything, and counterattacks. That's basically what they've done. Um, I just, I think Haaland is going to monster those two centre backs. I, I just don't see any possibility that. If he can, if he isolates Martinez one v one, it's going to be an ugly, ugly day for the Argentine, um, who's gotten a lot of credit for some fairly average performances in recent weeks. I'm going to say City to win this one four one. I think they'll, I think they'll wallop them. Now, the one thing I'll say is, City are playing in spurts at the moment. They're mm. kind of great for twenty minutes and then they're falling off. Part of that is because it's a little bit of an awkward link with Haaland in the team. Much depends on who the City wingers are, because if it's Grealish, that slows them down. And they're not as good with Grealish on the pitch. 
They'd be better with Foden and Mares or Foden. Foden and Bernardo is the is the best pair. I was going to say none of them have had a good, a really good start, have they? No, Foden's been off. Bernardo's been good, but he's played midfield mostly. He has, but when when you've got Gundogan's there. Yeah. See, the thing is, both Bernardo and KDB play better with Gundogan as the other race. Yeah. But you want to get both of them in the team. So the best way to do that is put Bernardo on the right wing mm-hmm. and use him in more attacking areas. And that's like. That's terrifying having those two combining on the right and then Gundigan backing up Foden on the left. Mm. Maybe Rodri just run is, with Alvarez or something like that. It, it's possible. Yeah. Get a second goal scorer in the team. Uh, look to exploit the space that Malashia tends to leave behind him. But I think Bernardo's work rate is what will be a factor here because he's very, very good at tracking. Yeah. So he'll track Malashia back. Um, I'm going to go 4 1 City. I think they walloped them. Yeah, and for some reason, the second half of Super Sunday is Leeds against the Villa. I don't know why they're. I'm not that's sure not, what. I don't know why that's not flipped around. Maybe um, it was. It must. It has to be a policing decision. Yeah, possibly. Um, and maybe they just didn't want, you know, all of Manchester in the pub from opening time till 20 to 4. Or Very true. Actually, 10 past 4 as it would be. Um, this is a decent game, though. Like, I actually, I think Leeds Villa will be a watchable game. Um, Leeds are eleventh, Villa are fifteenth. Neither have had brilliant starts, but Villa four points in the last two games, so turning things around a little bit. Leeds are in a little bit of a slump, two defeats from the last three, but overall, I think Leeds will be happy enough with their start, whereas Villa likely to be more disappointed. Uh, Leeds, Stuart Dallas is out long term. And Rodrigo could be back, but it's unlikely. Um, un- unlike normal for Leeds, I remember last season when every week I was reading out 10 different players that were mm. at doubt or, or injured. Uh, Leeds are in pretty good shape. Whereas for Villa, Matty Cash is a doubt, Kamara is out, Dina is out, and Diego Carlos is out. So that's three of your starting defence probably out, including Matty Cash. And your holding midfielder. Yeah. And that's problematic. And Villa, Gerard will insist on playing John McGinn, even though his best yeah, cool. midfield this season has been without John McGinn. When he took mm-hmm. John McGinn off and played Ramsey, Kamara, and, and Douglas Louise, that's the best of midfielders. Look, now obviously with Kamara out, you have to make a change. I assume it's Douglas Louise as the six. And McGinn is the eight, but McGinn has just been so poor this year. I'd rather put Nakamba there and put. See, so would I. I rather, yeah, yeah, put a ball winner in there. Someone with a bit, a bit of energy, because you know Leeds are going to play a very high tempo. Yeah, I think Leeds will dominate the midfield in this game, and I think Aronson's going to have a lot of fun running off the back of that midfield um, as a ten. I think Sinistera did really well on international duty, mm. and is is growing in confidence week after week. So it wouldn't surprise me if he starts here and and gets himself a goal. I'm I'm gonna go the Leeds win at home. I think we go Leeds win 2-0. Now we have a Monday night game. Yes. El, El Sacchio. <laughs> um I I don't think Steve Cooper deserves the sack by any means, but their owner is mental, seemingly. Mm. Um and Leicester I, how? How is Rogers still in a job? I, I don't know. I don't know how he's still in the job. It's it's just bizarre. 
It really is bizarre. Now, no Ricardo Pereira. Ryan Bertel's not fit, but he wouldn't play anyway. And Didi is a, is a doubt for this one, and Daka is a doubt. Leicester are a train wreck at the moment. Now, in their favour is that uh, Forrest are on a really bad run, having lost four in a row, and they've got a bunch of injuries. So Niakata is out until the end of the month. Mangala, they're hoping to have back, but it's a doubt. Emmanuel Dennis is a doubt. Joe Worrell has a broken nose, but should play. Morgan Gibbs-White is a doubt. Omar Richards is a doubt. And Scott McKenna is a doubt. That's a lot of players. Mm. And he's probably going to play Steve Cook. And Steve Cook is a liability. And if it's Vardy up front against Steve Cook, Vardy lead him alive. But Leicester are playing so poorly. And they just seem to be completely bereft of confidence. And it looks like the players are giving up on Rodgers, which is always... Given up more. Yeah, it looks, like, it, it looks like they have <laughs> given up. Like, you, you look at the fixture at, the, at the, the games this season. They go 2-0 up against Brentford and throw it away and almost lose the game. Arsenal go 2-0 up. They get back into it. They concede straight away. They get back into it. They concede straight away. Uh, they go 1-0 up at home to Southampton and they throw it away. Chelsea go down to 10 men and somehow they fall. That Chelsea go 2-0 up. Leicester fall two behind. They lost to United. They went to Brighton, went ahead, fell behind, got back into it and capitulated. They went to Tottenham, went ahead, fell behind, got back into it and capitulated. They just look completely lost. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go the draw. I, I think a lot of those Forest players will play, like Worrell will play. I think um Gibbs White and Dennis will probably play. McKenna will probably play. So I think they, they should be okay as long as he doesn't play Steve Cook. If he goes Bade, Worrell, McKenna, Nico Williams, Hennen, uh, Renan Lodi, Lewis O'Brien and Remo Freuler. That's solid, yeah. Brennan Johnson and... Um, Iwani. Iwani and maybe Dennis up front or Brennan Johnson and Gibbs White behind Iwani or Dennis, I think they'll be able to, to create chances against a, a Leicester team that is broken. Yeah. Defensively broken. Midfield, you've got two players who don't want to be there by the looks of it. Telemans doesn't want to be there anymore. No. Um, Madison, Madison's playing well. He's the one Leicester player I would say is playing well. But I think he's playing for a move. Would you he's take Madison at Liverpool? I would. I would. I'd absolutely take Madison at Liverpool. No doubt in my mind I would take Madison at Liverpool. I I, I would happily... I think we should be playing a 4-2-3-1 anyway. I think Madison as a 10 would do very well. But I think Madison could play as a right-sided 8. I think he's he's hard-working enough. I think he's creative. He's obviously brings a big goal threat. Last year he got 18 and 12. 18 and 12 in a bad Leicester team, surrounded by players who were out of form and injured. He got 18 and 12. I would definitely take James Madison at Liverpool. And here's the other thing. I guarantee you the day James Madison moves to Liverpool, he would immediately become an automatic choice in the England squad. He mightn't play every game, but he'd be in the squad. The only reason he's not in the squad is because he's at Leicester. Uh, and that's just the, the bias of, of Gareth Southgate. 
Um, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a draw. I think. I think. Does that help either of them? It helps Forrest. I don't think it helps Brendan. I don't think it helps Brendan. I'll go the draw. I'll go. I'll go a fun draw. Two two. Yeah. Uh, that is Monday. I don't know if I said that's Monday night game. So Monday night game, yeah. So that should be fun. That should be a fun game. Fun weekend. And that was it's the... a very fun weekend. Like the North London Derby is great. I think um Palace Chelsea should be a good game. I think the Manchester Derby should be a good game. Both Sunday games, in fact, should be fun. West Ham Wolves could be fun. It could be dreadful, but it could be fun. I think the Monday night game is decent. Um, and on a, in a normal time, Liverpool versus Brighton would be a good game, but um, uh, that's the one game I'm not looking forward to. Yeah, it might be for sure and neutral. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, right, that is that. We will leave it there, and we will be back on Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.